I don't have an intro, so my intro is telling everyone that I don't have an intro, (laughs) (laughs) and my outro is telling you that I also don't have an outro, and then we awkwardly end the podcast. This is Brad Weems. He's the owner of Thunder Valley Fitness, and you all are in, is it you finished year 10, or it's the 10 year? This is actually the 11th year of business. Okay. Our 10 year anniversary uh, was January 2nd. Okay. Yeah. 11th year of business and 10 years. So 10 years is something that's like for a lot of business owners, I think whenever they start, you don't even look that far. You can't. You're literally looking like day to day. Um, 100%. And then from like small business perspective, it's like, I mean, the numbers are just stacked against you. Like, up to once you hit year three, it's like the numbers are like largely against you succeeding. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to talk about that. I guess like, you know, I've heard you talk about um, how you all started. Um, you know, you were personal trainers and yep. you did the whole styles thing and all that. Um, I guess I wanted to fast forward and we can jump back and forth. No true order here, but. Whenever you all went to go open your facility, you had a number that you wanted to reach, mm-hmm. um, and it was just you and Chris. Chris, okay. Um, so, from a business perspective, how did you all start that? Uh, for someone that might be listening that wants to start a business and leave what they're doing, like financially, how did you all take that leap? Because it is nerve wracking. Yeah. Um, so you're saying, are you asking more from the financial or like the, the planning and like having um, like a one year plan? Both. So Both. whenever you first left, um, obviously you ran numbers and you said, if we do this, then we'll basically be where we were. Um, did you already have like cash stacked up or did y'all like set money aside or did y'all like, what was that kind of looking like? Well, um, so... I don't, you know, I don't know if my parents ever listened to this podcast or not, but, um, well, I don't, obviously they probably haven't listened to yours, but right. I don't know if they've listened to mine, but <clears throat> one of the unique things that, uh, took place for me in my whole CrossFit career. And then even with this business thing was, um, my parents and I, or excuse me, my parents, they were 2012, probably on the verge of going through a divorce. Um, so they, uh, and I don't know if they would be okay with me sharing that or not, but that's kind of what was going on behind the scenes. And I, I was uh, getting into this CrossFit thing, and I went and did a CrossFit competition in Morristown with the guys at Five Rivers. And uh, my team was Rob Stacy, and uh, I had one of my personal training clients that was pretty fit. And then did, did you ever know Ben Davis? That sounds really familiar. Um, anyway, he was a, a client of Chris's personal training and so, anyway, we're up in Morristown, and Rob and I are doing a six-minute AMRAP of six uh, full snatches at 135, which was, like, super heavy back mm-hmm. in the day, and six muscle-ups. So, we could split that. Problem was, I, I can't snatch 135, <laughs> and Rob can't muscle-up. Right. So, Rob's carrying all the load on this power snatch, and I'm doing um, all the muscle-ups. You got, like, D, D more, Dustin Moore. 
You've got uh, Galen's really good athletes up there. And all these guys are just crushing it. And I get that first round of six muscle-ups, and then uh, I get to that second round, and I'm just, like, failing. And uh, back then, it was like, it was all about uh, the the people that are struggling. Like, you want to push them to, to get, you know, do the work. And my parents are there, and they're watching this. And uh, they're, like, so inspired by the community. And, I mean, we talk about community right now. But, like, it was very different back then, mm. very different. And um, so, anyway, my parents are watching this, and the next week, they actually, my mom decides to go try out uh, Five Rivers, and then she's really liking it. And within a week or two after that, my dad uh, started working out with my mom. And all of a sudden, like, their marriage just, like, turned around. Mm. Yeah, so, like you've heard before, I'm over at Lifestyles, and I give Donnie Bradford um, my business proposal to start a CrossFit gym over there, and he just he just saw it to be too dangerous, mm. like most people did back then. And um, so, anyway, I just asked my parents because I see how much it's impacting their marriage, mm-hmm. and they actually gave me twenty thousand dollars to start the gym. Perfect. Yeah. So. 3000 of that to start the, or to pay the affiliate. And then we just kind of bootstrapped in, I think, I don't know, twelve dollars to $15,000 worth of equipment. Mm-hmm. And there we went. So um, we were very fortunate that a lot of our personal training clients followed us over mm-hmm. from uh, Lifestyles. And so day one of opening the business, still to this day, we have our biggest day ever. Chris and I brought in $30,000 day one. Isn't that amazing? In brand new personal training, uh, which gave us that cushion to slowly develop uh, the CrossFit program. You didn't have to be just in panic mode. Correct. A little bit of a cushion. You could really think. Yeah. And, you know, I think having those clients help us day one, plus knowing that my parents had given me this lump sum of money to start the business mm. kind of put a chip on my shoulder that I was not self-made. Right. And, uh, so that made me really want to get to work and like show that I'm not just starting this business with a silver spoon in my mouth. Mm. So, um, Chris and I, I mean, we, I mean, just hundred percent transparent. We go over to L food line. We have a pen in our pocket and we're writing down, uh, your one projections on a napkin um, real sloppy but we didn't right. know what we were doing and so uh, lo and behold we had the 90 people we wanted um, you're in so very cool yeah one thing though that you say about like silver spoon fed so people starting a business you very smart and fortunate that you have family. I think it happens more often than people willing to admit, but you get, whether you get $20,000 from your parents or you get $20,000 from the bank, you know, if you can get it from your parents, that's a way smarter route mm-hmm. than getting it from the bank where they're going to charge you, you know, yeah, astronomical interest. Yeah. interest. Yep. I would have took that route too. And I think anyone would have taken that route. If you just use the tools that are accessible to you. Did y'all, um, so did you, go straight into a facility with the with that equipment mm-hmm. um okay yep. so is that 
I don't know all the locations that. Yeah, so uh, right over here on Bristol Highway, there's this really crazy looking building. Uh, it's a red building and has all this glass front. It was originally the um, Rod Revolution building. So one of Chris's clients, uh, Susan Gregory, Susan Sorrell now, she um, started this business 15, 20 years ago. And what they would do is they would make modifications to like high-end vehicles. Okay. So she kind of got put on the map by helping Hulk Hogan's family uh, do some mods to a vehicle. Nice. Also to her demise, Hulk Hogan's son wrecked a vehicle and like maybe killed someone. And (sighs) then it came back that that car was modified up here. Right. So it was very like... Uh, niche market and like type of business that they were trying to create. So she said, I'm just going to scrap the business and just uh, divvy up the different units inside this big uh, building that she had built. And so she had a garage space that they were using to work on cars. And uh, she helped us out and uh, leased it to us $800 a month. Very good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> restrooms that the whole building shared that we didn't have to manage or or put any kind of supplies into and so it was just a really good setup initially how big was that space it was uh honestly about the size of our current working gym space okay yeah it's pretty good to start and and that's the thing like you look at the eleven thousand square foot like we were talking about in a text message a week or two ago and uh just way too much space and like so much you're paying for mm. and you just look on the ground and you're like that square right there cost me 350 that's crazy yeah and yeah. you have hundreds and hundreds of those mm-hmm. and so um i knew because of how big we got at uh the original spot as far as like membership base and we were able to to run a business in that kind of square foot square footage that I knew that we could do it again here mm-hmm. because we're at 100, 110 uh, fit club members now and they utilize a lot less uh, square footage in their workout than right. a CrossFit does with the seven foot barbell. Was that something that um, was a reference point for you all whenever you came here, like maybe in discussion, like we'll remember? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the, the biggest obstacle going from 11,000 to three was obviously like, imagine living in a mansion and then you have to go right. live in a you know, two bedroom house. And it can feel like a shock to the customer. Like they're like, Whoa, wait, wait, what happened? Especially <laughs> when you talk about, uh, price increases mm-hmm. and they're like, we're actually getting less. So that's why we had to intentionally with this move, think of an aesthetics play. And but in reality, you're getting more. Correct. So that's the, it's like, yes, the, the space is shrinking and you feel like that's less, but us shrinking our space is us actually delivering a better experience, delivering more to you as a client. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say that the people that are here that did not leave probably would say, yeah, like it has gotten better since we've been here. Yeah. You, you and Rachel uh, have been over there before whenever Josh and you all were doing that uh, team competition qualifier type thing in that CrossFit space, it was a 30 by 90 
So can you imagine being in class and like being possibly 80 feet away from someone? Yeah. Now I've never seen your all's class flow at foundation, but I'm assuming you're, you're keeping your members, even though you have a large facility, Mm -hmm. like in tight quarters, It's, it's tight to where that's the thing. Like when we came back over here, all of a sudden the community came back. Mm-hmm. Not that we had lost it, but like it's very easy to go a whole class if someone's 80 feet away from you and not really have a discussion. Yeah. And then also the other way, it's like it can make it like weird when you're in such a large space. Like if you're in 10,000 square feet and you happen to catch a slow day and it's like two people in class, it's like kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very. <laughs> Which in this space, if you have like four or five people, it can still feel really good. Yep in a space like this Mm -hmm. so that's why i like the the smaller um, facilities i've always said that if we move our floor shrinks um what what is your all story footage uh working space wise i guess it's probably like 30 uh 200 okay um 3500 it just seems so big in there yeah um it might be bigger than that 20 it might be four thousand. How much is yours here? I think it's a twenty uh twenty eight hundred, three thousand, somewhere in there. So mine's probably mine's probably four thousand. Yeah, you you've got a good thousand yeah. on us at least. Yeah. Um but. which I'm not like I'm appreciative of, of it. Um, but also at the same time, like I know that whenever we do move in the future, it's gonna add like we're gonna have to stress test these new like some systems will have to be refined and a lot of times whenever we write workouts today we write them as if we're only using half the gym that's smart so we're just like let's program these workouts like we only have half the gym and then like we can utilize more of the gym like we're not just going to leave like an open space but like one of the workouts on like monday they only used half of the gym and it's just for us to kind of test right. that. Right. Um, whenever y'all moved, so how many years were you in? You moved from Lifestyles to this building, um, and then you moved to the huge building. What year point was that? So um, it's 2013 was uh, when we moved into the Rod Revolution building, and then it would have been uh, 2017 that we bumped up to an 11,000 square foot. So four years. That's good growth yeah. in four years. Yeah. Um, and our whole reason for that was to birth this Fit Club program. Right. Yeah. And then four years later, you're here. So you just, yeah. what's four, what, what are we going to do in four years? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now that you pointed out, yeah. Like, now I'm, I'm nervous all of a sudden. Right. How it's do like, I get down. better every day? Right. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. So you, you had fit club in the big space. Yep. Did, she, did you all meet her so before the big, the big building? So right next door is CrossFit stacked. That was the, they, uh, beat us opening the first CrossFit gym in town. Well, I say first CrossFit gym, the first affiliate in town by six months. So they were right here? Right here, yeah. Okay. Um, I knew they were on this road. Yeah, like right next door, the the irony. And uh, when Ryan Collart and Carrie decided to put all their energy and effort into 
building their chiropractic business, they decided to to shut down the business. And uh, Melissa was one of the 35 from Stacked that uh, signed up with us. Okay. Yep. And actually, she didn't she didn't come immediately. She decided, I'm going to try and save money and work out at home. So she did about a month or six weeks of working out at home and just realized, like, it's just not the same. And so she ended up coming uh, on as a member, and we're working with Steve Pinkerton at the time, and he's telling us about this boot camp, uh, EvoFet, that he started, it, and he, he's like, this thing's blowing up. Still in the Revolution building during these discussions? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and so, and I think it's, this is an important part of our story over the 10 years is that Chris and I working together every single day. So we used to coach every single class together, mm-hmm. every single class. So you had two, both of us in every single class. Oh, wow. Y'all both were on the floor. Every single class. That's legit. Yeah, for three years. Wow. So I had no kids, and so and I lived a minute and a half from that building. Yeah, and uh, so, so yeah, we were we were doing that, and I, I think that is a very it's like it's kind of what set the foundation, no pun intended, for our business was people seeing that like we were in there every single day, and, and providing so, quality. Yeah, and uh, but what what would happen in these first three years is like there would be times where. Uh, Chris would be up and I'd be down or I'd be down and Chris would be up and we would kind of just help each other get through it. I don't know what was going on. I don't know if it was the fall season or what, but we signed up these 30 members from Stack. We just look at each other. We're both like just kind of, I don't want to say we're burnt out, but just like a, a funky phase of life. Mm-hmm. And like, man, we need, we need to be held accountable by somebody because you know how it is uh, in business. Like they say it all the time and it's really the truth. And it's one of the reasons I appreciate our friendship is entrepreneurship is lonely mm. and like just to bounce off ideas or like see that people are going through the same thing. is so beneficial. And so I told Chris, I was like, we need to hire someone to hold us accountable. So we uh, did a call with Chris Cooper uh, to brain and so it just wasn't a good fit for us um, and then we ended up going with Steve and Steve really just created this mantra of like you need a bigger facility if you're going to set yourself apart and um, well Steve do was does he have a business at the time or did you just cross paths with him and ask him to do it he was the owner of the L1 um, spot that we went to in Charlotte to okay. get certified mm-hmm. So we met him then because we stopped by on the Friday before our L1 seminar and uh, Chris and Steve kind of like chatted it up a little bit. Obviously, like Chris was a lot bigger then than he is now. You look at him now and you're like, he's still a huge human, but he was a lot bigger. Yeah. And uh, so Steve and Chris kind of connected initially. And um, so we that's how we kind of met Chris like or met Steve because Chris kind of stood out as a big guy. Mm-hmm. If it would have just been me, like I would have never had any kind of connection right. with Steve. So then it was like, he wasn't necessarily promoting like two brain. He was just, it was something where you said, will you help S- us with these things? Steve is literally not even 
coaching anybody. Mm-hmm. He he's not like he's not even working with gym owners at this time. Right. Chris legit just DM'd him on Instagram and was like, "Hey, this is what we want." Yeah, we we want somebody to hold us accountable. And he's like, "Well, I'll take a flyer on you all." So that's awesome. Yeah, because um, he definitely didn't have to do it. But um, and what was that um, for you? That was what was the moment that you and uh, Chris were like, "Let's reach out to someone." Was it for you all? Was it we want to grow more or we want to make what we're doing better or was it was there something that you were looking for besides just raw accountability it really was just raw accountability because i mean or did you just feel like y'all needed like a third voice in the sense of like you may have differing opinions let's have someone as like a medium or not even that i think you know it it comes back to like what i was saying earlier about the chip on the shoulder in 2013, whenever you uh, become a CrossFit affiliate, you, you kind of ride that wave of the SEO. Mm-hmm. And I could kind of see a downward trend in the, the CrossFit brand taking place. Because um, that was 16. And they, everybody says that Camille and Rich winning the same year was like the peak of it. But... Um, and in like 2015, we're we're focusing more on fitness. Like we're trying to make regionals, mm-hmm. and I think there was just this shift where it's like CrossFit might be on the decline. I've been focusing too much on fitness. We need to start prioritizing the business a little more. And um, Steve was just the guy that you know who was meant to help us. So. He's talking about this this boot camp program he's starting though, and he's like, you need to find someone to run it. And he said, I've got a guy running mine, but he's like, I feel like a female would be awesome in this position. Mm-hmm. And over the course of like getting to know Melissa, I just uh, approached her and I was like, if we want to start this thing, do you think that you'd be interested in helping us? And at the time, she's working for Girls on the Run. Okay. Yeah. And... Um, she's really passionate about what they were doing and how she was helping these girls. And I honestly didn't think that she would come on board with us, but uh, we just eventually wore her down. And I said, look, I'll, I'll, I want you to go over and, and talk to our business coach and just go take a class and see what the vision is for like what we're trying to create. And before she could even like get back home, Steve's she was like, like, Steve's like, the, Yeah. <laughs> this is your person he knew so yeah yeah very cool so which she's she's very nice i just i just recently met her last year like mm-hmm. i've probably seen her and stuff but she's um very nice and that program grew quickly mm-hmm. um exceeded expectations 100 percent. and so um I guess we'll skip forward a little. When did, uh, so Josh King recently um, moved. When did he come into the picture? Was that early on at Revolution? Yeah, he, he was year one. Uh, okay. So one of our first coaches that was helping us out a little bit was actually his cousin. And he moved and went to school in Kansas that fall of 13. Mm-hmm. And basically, Josh had been coming over on Saturdays to work out with him and us. Josh, if you think Josh is introverted now, 
the kid used to be like 20 times more introverted. He like wouldn't talk. No. And I was like, this is not going to be a good fit. But Josh was really wanting a job with us and finally just wore me down and uh, I took a flyer on him. So. It's so funny. I've seen pictures. Probably you're the one that posts them, but I've seen pictures of you all at Lifestyles, I feel like. And seeing pictures of like Josh King at Lifestyles, like doing workouts and like that is so crazy. Yes. Just, yeah, so it comes so far. He um, went from a boy to a man just yeah. in these 10 years he's been with. He's a monster. Um, so then, is there anything that you and Chris, even if it's like a funny thing that you and Chris butted, has butt heads on in the past? Like, even if it's in Revolution, was there something that you were like that you and him could look back and say, I can't even believe like that was like a thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, nothing in a business, in the business sense. Over three, uh, over the 10 years, there's probably been three things that uh, we've butted heads about. One of them that stands out the most is we're really trying to make regionals in 2015. We'd missed by like 10 spots. And uh, there were like eight of us that were the team, I guess you would say. And... Um, there was a Saturday, it fin- the workout finished with max unbroken wall balls after we would, we'd already been working out like an hour and a half, two hours. And he was like pissed off that I only got 70. <laughs> and like hit me up two hours after that. It was like, if you can't give me better effort than that, he's like, you know, I don't want you working out with me anymore. <laughs> and like just was so mad about my workout effort which right i'm pretty i I couldn't go do that right now probably right (laughs) but no i mean overall like so what so the funny thing is is me knowing chris's personality today what would he say to him his old self like he would be laughing oh yeah he'd be like because even even the last podcast that y'all just did hearing him and just like almost his message around that is like basically like give yourself grace Uh uh-huh yeah you know like do what you can give effort but also have grace for yourself and he was just in there back then i mean he was yeah yeah. (laughs) i've seen that guy i remember graham homberg did a an open announcement he was one of the athletes that did it he's like i'm gonna gonna do this workout tomorrow i'm gonna beat his ass at it and (laughs) like dude he did He's a monster. And like he laid on the ground for like 15 minutes, but he, he did it. And he was just full throttle, like uh, so intense. And once again, I think it's the growth of the business that changes your perspective on what's important and what's not. Not that fitness is not important. It's just that. Well, it's how you define fitness. Correct. Correct. And, you know, if we kept going and working out two hours a day, this business isn't open right now. It's not. Right. You hear that with so many of the athletes um, in uh, CrossFit that they have this moment where it's you, they have to choose, am I an athlete or am I an affiliate owner? And they have to decide because they – um, they know that they're give like they're neglecting so heavily the business, yep. and it's suffering. Um, there's one guy I've heard talk about it, and I can't remember 
which one it's, e- it's either Jason Kalipa or the Spieler. Mm-hmm. One of those two basically have like a podcast that I've listened to where they were like, yeah, this was me exiting the sport because I knew that I wanted to be a business person. This wasn't going to last forever. So I had to put everything into this. And I can't remember which one of those guys it was. And we need more of that. Um, we have so many people that are trying to monetize their own specific programming model or whatnot. And we need more guys out there that are t- talking the business aspect of it. Yes. Because there are more business owners out there struggling right now than there are business owners that are trying to become elite athletes. A hundred percent. So what do you think is like today, What what is the most important thing from like the business perspective? Like whether it's like a workout thing, a coaches thing, employee thing, or it's messaging. So what's something that's like really, really important to you all here that's like, you know, something that it, 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 it just resonates through the staff. So for, for example, um, for us, it's just, uh, and, and maybe for you all too, for us, it's just, um, client experience and making them feel special mm-hmm. um, every time they walk in. Um, what's something that, you know, you all, you know, I saw Melissa like open the door for someone as they come in and just that speaks volume to me. If, if you can't do the small things and the most simple tasks exceptionally well, then you're not going to do the bigger things well. So, it is legitimately smiling. It's having a good attitude. It's being on time. It's having a clean facility. It's um, it's having the music go up at the right time, come down at the right time. It's it's all the little things. Detail. Yeah. Yeah. And you've even said that you know you're organizing wall balls as I come in. You're in there clean and it's funny talking to um sarah colson the owner of yep. blue roof she talks about how like people want to become baristas because it's instagrammable like look at me making this coffee look at how fun this job is and mm-hmm. she jokes and says that like 90 percent of the job is cleaning yeah like 10 percent of it is the instagrammable stuff and it's funny, it's the same thing that with uh, owning a gym, it uh, seems like a good idea. And I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but in any, any business, any hobby that you have, it seems like a good idea to do it. But you don't realize um, it's more than that. Like business is its own game. The gym and workouts are a whole nother thing. Yeah. So I think it's interesting when, uh, you know, the perspective that people might have, they, you know, they might say, well, you work at a gym, you can work out whenever you want. You know, you work at a coffee shop, you get to talk to people all day. You're a barber, like all you got to do is cut hair and gossip, you know, whatever the business is, it's always like that's glorified. But what people don't see is the difficult times, you know, I'm sure that 
if you can think of stressful moments for you and Chris, I'm sure moving into this facility was like kind of seemed scary at a certain point. Even moving into the 10,000, it probably seemed scary to have your rent go up or getting the the notification that, you know, you need to leave this building, mm-hmm. you know. Some of those feelings that you have along the way, like, isn't, I guess, isn't talked about enough of just how, like, in the dark you are when you're a business owner because, like, shit just happens and it can be really, really stressful. Here's an analogy for you. You can get on Instagram right now and see a picture of my wife and my two kids. And you see a family that's smiling and uh, we're all bond-headed and, you know, whatever. You don't see the meltdown that happened this morning because my son, my three-year-old, has to wear a coat in the car. You don't see uh, my kid, you know, having an accident in the middle of the night and got to clean the bed sheets. In a picture... It looks like perfection. Mm. And that's kind of like business. It's like, Brad, you're wearing Lululemon all day, standing around talking to people, having fun, not too hard of a job. But you don't see like the fact that um, someone walked outside last night after we scrubbed the floor and then walks back in and didn't realize they had mud all over the floor. So now you start the day with mud all over your floor. Right. And so now I've actually got to clean that up to keep the quality of standard that I want to run here. Right. And then someone from the 545 class had an explosive bowel movement, so I got to go stick my hand in a toilet and clean the toilet. Literally clean. So I had this happen. (laughs) This part probably will get cut out, but I got to tell you anyway. Okay. Rachel might hear it and say it's okay. So we've had... Uh, plumbing issues and in, in the past and you know that's one of those things where you know I've been there at 10 11 at night trying to get the gym up and running for the next morning because we have people that uh, need to shower or just use the restroom you know it's a it's a standard you know we're trying to create an experience if people don't have the bathroom it's what they're used to now we're taking away from the experience you know just stuff happens like power cuts out um, music cuts out like yeah you have you know, transient people coming in that are, you know, off their meds or on meds that they're not supposed to be on, you know, standing in your lobby. Yeah, you know, I was, yeah, so. I was getting ready to share that story. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like there's just so many of these things um, when you're a business owner. And then also just being able to, like, being able to take a punch, you know, be able to take have a chin. Yeah. Now, how many times have you been, like, belittled along the way we're told moving into this facility is dumb and i won't be a part of it if you don't have wall balls peace if you don't have muscle muscle ups ups, peace and it's like it's easy for them to say that it's easy for you to have that opinion when you're not analyzing everything yeah so as a business owner you have to have a chin to take those uh, punches that people are going to deliver because it's tough. You know, I got my friend that just built that yoga studio and it's like, I mean, it's damn near been a two year process of him, like just getting beat the hell up over this whole project. And, you know, meanwhile, like people are just constantly like, 
when are you going to open? Like, what's going on? Like, mm-hmm. why is it taking so long? Asking all these questions, and it's like, you know, he's like you and I. If he could have the place built and up and running in one day, he would do it. And it's like those were things that were out of his control. His control, but you know, they handled it with such grace, and they have a chin, and they can take those comments and just, you know, compartmentalize them or whatever. Um, but that's another thing, and uh, I think can make people bow out of small business ownership is just, it's tough. It, it's, it's like uh, we talked about it before. It's like posting on Instagram. Someone's going to say you're stupid for doing it or why is Josh making these funny reels or whatnot. But for every person that you entertain or educate and they decide to stay with you, you're furthering like you're connecting better and getting better. Um, 100%. I, I, I tell, I get razzed around here all the time. Typically it's about my tiny calves. Mm-hmm. But I tell people, I'm like, I've been having these punches thrown at me for 10 years. Like <laughs> there's really like Josh, somebody will say something tomorrow that like uh, upsets me or hurts my feelings. But there is not much a person could say to me after 10 years of taking punches that really bothers me anymore. You're not going to hurt my feelings. No, it's pretty, pretty damn tough. Yeah. You're going to have to come for the family or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to come for, you're gonna have to come for Rachel, and then I'm going to get real offended. And right. We're going to shut uh, that down real quick. No, I got some pretty thick scar tissue. <laughs> so, uh, And you have to. You have to. I mean, because then you would just fold. There's so many times that, just like with Tara, like what I told her, you know, it's like there's all these moments where you just bottleneck as a business owner and you feel like you're at the end. Mm -hmm. And if you just keep going, like it ends up just opening up, you know, just so much of like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And you just have to, you know, remove emotion and just look at the big picture and move forward and, it's typically okay. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the funny thing is, I don't know if there's like this for you, but like taking the leap of being a business owner is like, they always say it's just take the action and do the thing. But it's like that anxiety that you feel, it doesn't really like completely fade. There's new things that come up that spark that. Your problems just become different. Mm-hmm. And then as you grow, you're like, yeah, they, they, Evolve, those problems evolve. So it's like, as you grow, now payroll grows. Like yeah, and the, more, the more members you have, in, have coming in, the more paper towels they're getting used. You know, your operating expenses. the more expenses. personalities you're managing. Yes, yes. What do they say? Like, the perfect gem size is making the money you want at about 150 members. Right. Yeah. So. If you can do that, you know, you have a, a high, uh, well, well, that's, that's the, the dream business model is to have, you know, 10 people paying you $10,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there you go. You got 10 people you got to manage. And um, we had, we got up to 250 members at one point. Okay. And I was, I'm just as happy today at 181.90 than I was then. Right. So doesn't make you any happier. No. And there's ways to like 
bridge those gaps. You know, whether you do have to increase pricing, whether that's for a gym or you have to increase your physical therapy price or your coffee price or, you know, whatever it is, you can raise that and then that will kind of, you know, the clients that are okay with those price raises will stay. The ones that don't value you, you find out why they don't value you. And maybe it's just a difference of opinions and some people will just leave and it's yeah. just kind of part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that's, you know, from like a, a small business perspective, that's probably like the biggest thing is that just you're constantly solving problems. Mm-hmm. Um, every day, it, it doesn't stop. Now, another thing that I want to ask you is like how many, what's the um, highest uh, employee count that you've had at one time? Now, are you talking about energy exchanges as well? All of it. People you're managing. 12 to 14, somewhere in there. How long ago was that? Um, probably pre-pandemic. Okay. Yeah. What was, what was managing 14 people? How many people do you have now first? Uh, nine, or, nine or 10. Do you have a session me? coming up? What time is it? 12.54. Okay. Sorry sorry about that. What's that? You have a session at 1? No, but I do need to wrap up at about 10.15. You got it. Yeah. So you have... Uh, Eight or nine now. So what was it like managing like 14? Josh, uh, I'm not making this up, but like my staff is awesome. Mm. Like there's never been egos. There's really never been any issues. I'm like blessed to have the staff that and I've people got. are bought in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whenever I was, it was more dysfunctional than I realized until the end. You know, you just have guys who see each other every day talking shit about each other. And they talk shit to me about this person. I know they talk shit to that person about me. And, you know, that was one of the first. Um, Why do you think that is? Sorry to interject. I think it was ego so everyone thought that they were the smartest person in the room and I think that you know the perspective that we have at foundation is that you know there's we're we're not looking to see who's the smartest and I think that there was a hint of like who's the fittest in the room between the staff which is frankly fucking crazy that you are trainers training other people coaches coaching other people and there's like this weird dynamic of like i'm fitter than this other trainer i guess i get it in theory but you know it doesn't really work that way but like i can remember like people being mad at other like trainers like staff members being mad at other staff members for like completing a workout at a faster rate or with more weight than the other person and I remember just not understanding that. Um, you know, we're just not, with my staff, we just don't think of things that way. And we all think of each other as, we don't think of any of, of each other as being like, Abby's the smartest person, Lacey's the smartest person in the room. It's like, Abby knows things that I don't know. Lacey knows things that I don't know. I know things that Rachel don't know. 
and collectively we can all learn from each other. Hundred percent. So, Chris and I, we we talked about this just a month or so ago. We kind of all have our different attributes we bring to the table. Like I, I've become known as kind of like the uh, adaptive trainer, where I work with some of the older individuals. Uh, ben obviously is going to be working with more like uh, young sports performance type people or someone that's really trying to take their CrossFit to the next level. Um, Josh, he, he kind of worked more with people that needed mobility and uh, kind of the older crowd. So, yeah, it's not that, like, I'm the smartest because I've helped adapt, adaptive athlete become fittest on earth or Ben's the, the, the main guy around here because he's been in the CrossFit games. We just all kind of stay in our lane but know that our own lane is still heading the same direction as, you know, as a group. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're still moving in the same direction. You know, I guess that was part of what was what was missing in that. I just think that being cohesive as a staff is like one of the biggest things you can do as like a small business. And what I was going to say about that dynamic over, yes, you did have a person that was hired to run the program. But truly, I mean, that was an employee that wasn't a leader. You didn't have someone right. leading that staff. When and I it, was there, there, there was there was no leaders. No one was a leader. So there were zero leaders in this organization. Everyone was a follower and they all talked shit about each other. And whenever it came time, you know, whenever the rubber meets the road, I can't stay quiet for too long. I just have like, whenever there's some shit going on, I got it. I got it on my sleeve. Mm -hmm. You're going to know eventually I'm going to come talk to you. And that was the discussion. I mean, there's no leadership, there's no ownership and, there was no buy-in, and frankly, it got to a point where no one really cared about each other. Yeah. Um, the members there cared about each other more than the staff cared about each other. Yeah. Your staff has to care about each other more than the members the care nucleus. about themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's everything. Yeah. 